Hello, everyone, and thank you so much for tuning into the Sheila Zelensky Show. My good friend, Pastor Mark Sellers from Colorado, joins me on an incredible show, and he's got lots to lay out. So I'm just going to hand him the mic, and you throw it back to me when you're ready, Mark. Take it away. Well, thanks, Sheila. It's, it's good to be here again. I appreciate it. This message is called the Spirit of Presumption. It's something that we and our family have known for a while as the I Know Better spirit. And it is a very dangerous spirit. It's a very dangerous underlying false foundation, and it destroys faith. And that's what we're going to talk about. It's it's the actual counterfeit of faith. It's not the opposite, but it's a counterfeit. So it's something that's been kind of percolating in, in my spirit for a while, and we've been battling it with people. And I got to say, Sheila, you know, platforms like yours are ever more important today because of this, you know, quarantine nonsense and the lockdown, shutdown, close down of everything. So being able to get the word out, the messages out on a platform like this that offers streaming and internet access is extremely important for such a time as this. Thank you. So this is entitled The Spirit of Presumption, otherwise known as the I Know Better Spirit. The word presumption comes from the old French, from Latin, presumere, and it means to take in advance before assume. And so it's an attitude or a belief dictated by probability. In other words, facts play little part in presumption, just probability and likelihood. The first synonym is assumption, followed by arrogance, boldness, impertinence, and imprudence. Presume, in its verb form, means to undertake without leave or clear justification, to expect or assume, especially with confidence, to suppose to be true without proof, to take for granted. An idea that is taken to be true and often used as the basis for other ideas although it is not known for certain. That's a, another form of presumption. Also, it could be a behavior perceived as arrogant, disrespectful, and transgressing the limits of what is permitted or appropriate. And that's one of the more common uh, phrases we're going to look at in just a second, to presume upon, to transgress, to, to go beyond the limits, especially in a relationship, uh, to presume upon someone else. And we're going to look at that in just a second. Or uh, presumption could be defined as to undertake without permission. Presume to speak for someone else, for example, to go too far in taking liberties. Also, some of the same meanings as assume, such as presuppose and take for granted. And so assumption is a key part of the definition of presumption. So the phrase to presume on or presume upon can mean to expect too much from a relationship in a way that shows that one does not understand one's role in the relationship, to go beyond the proper limits of a relationship. And that really is probably the the best definition or the focus that this message looks at. As you can figure out, presumption is a huge area. This is a very, very broad topic. So we're going to look at a small slice that I believe God has for us, and, and I trust it will be the right slice for all of the listeners to receive some freedom as they listen to this message. But I want to read this one more time, that last phrase of that sentence, to go beyond the proper limits of a relationship. And that's really the key here, as we presume upon God, see that we're going beyond our proper limits as children created by God. He's the author, creator, we're not. And also it can mean this, to unfairly ask someone for more than you should, because they are your friend, they are generous, etc. And we'll look at some characteristics and how we presume upon God shortly. I believe that presumption, what the Lord has shown me about presumption, is the, it is the demonic enemy 
counterfeit of faith. It is not the opposite. The opposite of faith is fear, but the counterfeit, a false faith is presumption. To say that the other way around, presumption is false faith. It's a counterfeit. The enemy always offers a counterfeit, correct? Whatever God offers, the enemy offers a counterfeit to that. And and so God offers faith. And what's the counterfeit? Again, it's not fear. It's presumption. The opposite of faith is fear. And what's the difference? People may be wondering, well, what's the difference of the counterfeit? Well, the counterfeit is a counterfeit because we are, are indoctrinated by the enemy camp to believe that it's true. So if we have are acting under presumption, for example, as we look at, we're going to look at some examples from the Bible and elsewhere, as we act upon presumption, we really are deceiving ourselves thinking we're acting on faith. And that's the problem. Uh, Also, I believe we'll expose during this time that God will show us that there are, presumption is behind many things. It's a very hidden, foundational, key, demonic trap and it drives much of, of, of mankind's behaviors, um, but we don't realize it. It has been said that presumption is when you claim the promise, but do not fulfill the condition. Charles Swindoll has said that acting foolishly or thoughtlessly, expecting God to bail you out if things go amiss, isn't faith at all. It is presumption. And I threw that in there because I think that's a perfect summary of revealing, exposing that presumption is the counterfeit faith. So let's look at uh, some characteristics briefly. Romans 12.3 says, For I say, through the grace given to me, every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. So one of the characteristics of presumption, the first one is to imagine ourselves receiving or embodying or possessing virtues and good qualities without the substance, in other words, without the reality, but only the shadow and the false appearance. Now, if you think about people who thought themselves good and were full of pride, but they were just a shadow, a false appearance, kind of like Jesus said they were whitewashed sepulchers, we think of the Pharisees, right? And so the Pharisees are great examples of presumption. Presumption is part of the false foundation upon which the Pharisees built their teachings, their dogma, their life, you know, the whole Kabbalah, all of that is built upon a false foundation of presumption. Secondly, another characteristic is the magnifying those good qualities which we have, or we think we have. And here, presumption is the more dangerous. It's not the mere effect of extravagant fancy. You know, it's okay to, you know, kind of boast about some things now and then, especially if we're kind of playing around. But it becomes something that actually is a foundation. It becomes something real to us. It becomes something that we trust in and we build upon, as I mentioned earlier. It becomes that false foundation of our lives. And then we begin more and more and more and more to walk in acting presumptuously. And we presume upon God. We presume upon others. We presume upon the body of Christ. We presume upon pastors. And we're going to look at some of the things we presume upon in just a few minutes. A third characteristic is to ascribe to the qualities which we possess, eminence, okay, and excellence that don't belong. In other words, we have a very skewed, wrong view of ourselves. I can think of the Pharisee going to pray, and then the poor sinner guy going to pray. And the Pharisee's prayer was very boisterous and loud, and oh God, thank you that I'm not like that sinner over there, right? The Pharisee did not possess the qualities which he 
presumed upon God to have. And he was presuming upon God to gain favor, to get something from God. And we're going to look at that's one of the goals of presumption. If the enemy has established presumption, the spirit of presumption working in people's lives, there must be a purpose. There must be a reason. And it has to be a counterfeit to something. And we'll find out that it is indeed a way, uh, seems a viable way, seems an alternative way for us to gain favor with God, to get something from God, to receive our inheritance or salvation, all the stuff that we get as, as kids of the kingdom. But instead of doing it God's way, we're going to go a different route. And that's what presumption is. It is the other road. It's really the foundation, the pavement of that other road. And lastly, I call it Satan's calling card. Okay, Satan's calling card. It's kind of the, you know, the fingerprint, the telltale signature that this is from the enemy. It begins in the Garden of Eden, right? Did God really say, Satan says to Eve, what is he saying? He's presuming that there's another way. He's presuming that God is indeed lying. He is indeed holding something back. He is indeed not being 100% truthful and open uh, with Adam and Eve, and he's beginning to plant doubt. It's a, he's a form of usurping God's authority is what presumption becomes. And we also see it in the temptation of Christ, recorded in Luke 4, and others in the, the wilderness after Christ fasting 40 days. Satan partially quotes Psalm 91. He leaves a key phrase out, by the way, and then he tells Christ you know, to jump off, which is presumption, and it's a tempting. Presumption is also a tempting. We're tempting fate. We're tempting God, because what we're really doing is, is we are saying God we want you to do what you're supposed to do, but you got to do it on our terms. A couple things, presumption to summarize. Presumption is trying to force God to do our will. We just mentioned the temptation of Christ, right? Jesus was tempted to presumption. When Satan told him to jump off the pinnacle of the temple in Luke 4, Satan had scripture to back him up. But as I mentioned, didn't fully quote Psalm 91. He left a key phrase out of there. He was Satan was challenging Jesus to believe and act on the word of God. Well, doesn't that sound good? Doesn't that sound like a great time for Jesus to exercise his faith in God? This happens day in and day out. The enemy comes to us. Mark, Sheila, Billy Bob and Sally Joe, exercise your faith in God. Here's the scripture, okay? So the enemy is tempting us to do something foolish, really. And then expect God to come and bail us out. No, he's not going to. That is the sin of presumption. Presumption ultimately dictates what God must do. We come to God on our terms. We come to God and bring something, so to speak, to the bargaining table, right? But the reality of the scripture, what does the scripture say? When God implemented the new covenant through his son, Jesus, the incarnation of, of God in the form of man in Jesus Christ, Jesus said what? He's, he's having what we know as the last supper with his disciples. And he says, it's a new covenant. Remember the first covenant? It was created between God and Abraham. Abraham had a party. He had to get, bring the animals in. He had to slaughter them, right? Divide them in halves in, in the midst of them. And in the new covenant, it's 100% God. We can bring nothing to the bargaining table. We can bring nothing to God, right? To get him to love us more, to get us to save us more, or treat us better, or any of that. We are, in, an, in essence, trying to make God our puppet. And that's what the enemy does. Again, that's what happened in the Garden of Eden. 
Okay, Satan was, was planting some ideas that weren't true about God, and the presumption then was, okay, there is another way. This thing's telling me is true. God, you're holding something back. I'm going to eat that apple, but I'm still going to receive everything that you promised for me to receive. And that's a, that's a lie. We're not going to. Presumption doesn't see reality. There's an example, actually, in Pilgrim's Progress. One of the characters is called Presumption, and we're going to look at that, that there's an unreality presented through presumption. That's another calling card of the enemy, right? Whenever things don't line up with the Word of God, they're not real. Presumption is attempting to manipulate God, okay? And this is another calling card of the enemy. This is where we can begin to see the principles of witchcraft at work, right? As we we know, witchcraft uses those key three elements, right? Manipulation, intimidation, domination, in order to do what? Control somebody else, right? They want to control. It's all about control. It's built into us in our sinful nature. We're born with the demons. Many of the demons we have, we're born with. And we are born into the world, which according to the word of God is uh, the whole world lies under dominion of the evil one. And so the world is geared to teach, to indoctrinate, to enforce and reinforce presumption, assumption, Pride, arrogance, witchcraft, control, manipulation, right? We use these phrases in behavioral things like passive-aggressive and others. These are mechanisms to control somebody else. Often, we see anger involved. Anger occurs because our expectations become dashed. We're, we're, we're not able to accomplish the goal we want because presumption really is unreality. It is a counterfeit. And you'll never get the real thing from God if you've got the counterfeit. Presumption is man-centered. It's self-centered. It's, it's pride. Man wants God to do something for him. Presumption is the underlying key to entitlement. Entitlement comes from presumption. Presumption is arrogant. It's demanding. Presumption puts oneself in the place of God. What did Lucifer say? What's Satan's whole goal, right? To sit on a throne, to receive the worship of man, and to be God. There, there's this old song, it's, you know, anything you can do, I can do better. That's arrogant confidence. is really nothing more than presumption. And as we come to God and we seek truth, we seek his truth. Truth is the antidote. Humility is the antidote. We're going to look later at the solutions to presumption and pray against these things so we can be free from these traps and snares of the enemy that destroy us. They lead us to destruction. They lead us to separating, to cut off. That's the biblical curse. That's what God says. It can be cut off from him. So presumption then becomes the foundational justification for our acting in opposition to the commands and the will of God. In order for the enemy setups, the demonic temptations and, and counterfeits and everything that the enemy does in the kingdom of darkness, in order for that to work, there has to be some motive. You remember that message we did? I did uh, a couple of years ago now in your show about, you know, who's on our throne. There's always someone on our throne, always somebody turning our steering wheel. There's already somebody who, who has control of our life. There, there's a motivation. Humans are very calculated, and there's a reason we do everything. And a lot of times, it's some demon telling us to do it. We still believe that God will not see our rebellion nor punish us for it. In other words, we can have our cake and eat it too. You know, what a fantastic world that would be, right? If I could have my cake and eat it too. I could eat all the donuts I want and not gain any weight. I can break all of God's commandments, yet still receive all the inheritance or the promises or the deliverance and the freedom and everything that God has promised. It doesn't work that way. That is unreality. That is a counterfeit. 
to what is true. There's a fantastic passage in Scripture in Psalm chapter 10. We'll just look at a verse, but we're not going to look at the whole passage. We don't have time for that. Spend some time in the days ahead in Psalm 10. And I believe you'll see a great description of the evil man who is acting presumptuously. For example, verse 4 says, In the pride of his face, the wicked does not seek him. All his thoughts are, there is no God. Okay, that's presumption to say there is no God. And verse 11 says, He says in his heart, God has forgotten. He has hidden his face. He'll never see it. That's presumption. That's a great um, passage to look at as you uh, listen to this message, meditate, reflect, and ask God to show you how presumption may be working in your life, as I have actually done in the past few weeks. Um, Some other ways that, that presumption manifests or shows itself is in what we know as tolerance. Okay, tolerance. Tolerance is nothing more than forced acceptance to something that's unreal, right? It's a, you will accept, okay? You will accept me. And, and today we have, we have achieved a point, I don't know if it's the culmination or not, but we're awful close if it's not, where society lives on the presumption of tolerance, the presumption of acceptance, the presumption, we see the bumper stickers all over of coexisting, right? That is a counterfeit. There's no reality in that. And the presumption then is aimed to God. So there, there are all these people out there who are promoting a message that, that we come to God and say, God, you must accept me this way. Okay? You must accept me. And it's a great counterfeit. Remember that old, that old hymn they, they used to play at evangelistic messages, you know, just as I am, right? Without one plea. And the scripture says, God himself says, come, let us reason together, right? Though your sins be as scarlet, they be white as wool. We, we come as we are to God. And the reality, the truth of the word of God is we come as we are because we can bring nothing to it. Well, there's nothing we can offer. Again, I go back to, it, it's in John 19, I believe it is 28 through through 30 or the end of the chapter there, and then turn over to 1 John 5, 7 through the end of that passage, and you'll see that the, the New Testament, the New Covenant, instituted 100% by God through Christ was 100% complete. Everything had been completed. Then, then and only then did he give up his life. He gave up the ghost, right? That's when he said it's finished, it's done. And what was finished, you find that in 1 John 5, 7 and following. Okay? It talks about the record that's been testified to. What does that mean? That means we can bring nothing. That means this lie of tolerance, this lie of presuming upon God's grace and his mercy and his forgiveness. Well, God, you just have to forgive me because you're supposed to love everybody. You have to forgive me because you're supposed to do this, that, or the other thing, right? This is, I hope this is starting to make sense. We have a whole lot more to go, but I want to set the stage now that these things that drive the culture and society in which we live. And, and for a lot of us, it irritates us. It grates upon our spirits. Our spirits are grieved from, from walking through the quagmire of this world with all of this stuff out there. And they're driven by presumption. I believe presumption, again, is that counterfeit faith. It's that false foundation laid down by the enemy so long ago. Now there are false shepherds behind podiums in these social places we call churches. And <clears throat> now they're all streamed on Zoom and, you know, Skype and everything, propagating these lies that, God, you must accept me. You must be okay with all of this stuff. There's one other f- word 
actually two words that describe presumption, the people who presume, okay? And in, in the Proverbs, it's found the mocker and the scoffer. We're not going to talk a lot about that tonight. Proverbs covers that really well. Go through Proverbs and the rest of the scriptures, but I would, I would suggest the listeners start in Proverbs and see who the mockers and the scoffers are and what happens to them. They are driven by presumption. What are some uh, other effects of presumption? Ambition or entitlement? I mentioned earlier entitlement. I believe presumption is the root of entitlement. And this is something that for me was was really helpful because it's something that I've been asking the Lord about for a long time. It comes up all the time. The attitude of entitlement is, is toxic, it's poisonous, it's, it's deadly. It will actually destroy us, as we'll see a beautiful picture in Pilgrim's Progress and in Numbers, I think it's chapter 14, we're going to look at in just a few minutes, in 15, picture of this entitlement. If I'm acting presumptuously, right, I'm full of arrogance, I'm full of pride, these are demonic entities that work along with presumption, okay, presumption probably opens the door to these things if they're not there already, and we think we're something we're not, right, we've got these these values, these qualities, this eminence, this excellence, these things, this, remember we talked about the Pharisees, we have this whitewashed sepulchers, which is a whole, you know, another topic and what they did during that time, why they did that. But it's to make things look good, right? But it's not real, right? I don't care how white and beautiful the thing is. It's a tomb full of dead man's bones, okay? And let's say that entitlement would be the fuel and ambition would be the engine, okay? Ambition is the thing that's driven by the entitlement, right? The entitlement is the, is, is the fuel. It's the gas. It's, it's, the, it's the mentality. It's the attitude. It's actually a demonic spirit working along with presumption to drive us forward and making choices, making decisions, living a life that is counter to God's commands, as we mentioned earlier, but we're believing in that deception. We're believing a lie. We believe that we're okay. We believe that God is okay with it. In fact, not only do, do we believe that God is okay with it, we go a step further because we believe that God has to be okay with it. There's a difference. He has to be. You'll notice people driven by presumption, driven by this demonic faults, lying, ambition, and entitlement. They're very militant. They're full of angst, tend to be very aggressive. They may be through passive aggression, aggression, but they're very aggressive because, you know, darn it, by hook or by crook, I'm going to get my just due. Oh, yes, you are. <laughs> the scripture affirms you're going to get your just due, but it's not, it's not what you've been told, right? Go back to the garden. What was Eve told? Oh, you can have the knowledge of good and evil. You're going to live forever. You're going to do this and that. There's all kinds of lies that the enemy spews to people to get them to bite the bait that's on the hook. And none of it, no presumption comes from God. No presumption is to be part of the children of God. No presumption is part of the kingdom of God. It is a counterfeit, and it needs to be thrown out. And we are exposing and identifying a small piece of this puzzle in this message that will begin to set people free. I believe this will begin to unhook some of the bungee cords that are wrapped in people's lives, and they wonder, why am I spinning around and around and around and around? I believe it's because we are walking. Our lives have been have been paved on the pavement of, of presumption, and God is showing us it's time to, to destroy that. We'll bring those big scrapers in and tear that up, and God can lay a new foundation for us of truth and humility, as we'll see later. 
So there's this drive, there's this ambition, there's this entitlement, right? We want glory, esteem, reputation. We want desire of stuff, right? What it says in the scripture, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, it's the, the spirit of the world. Because whatever the world offers, the world lies to us to say it's okay with God and it's not. If we presume ourselves to be worthy of some prize or special thing or applause or praise, then we will live in order to gain that which we think we deserve. That's a good summary of what I was trying to say about that ambition. That becomes the motivation of our life, right? That demon has crawled up on the driver's seat of our car and has the steering wheel and is controlling where we're going, whether we know it or not. What are some things that we presume upon, okay? We presume upon. And I'm going to focus, we presume upon, you know, people and, you know, family and spouses and relationships and all that. But we're going we're gonna to just look at God tonight. A few things. We, one of the things is God's mercy and his grace. We presume upon God's mercy and his grace, right? We hear things like God loves everybody. God's going to save the whole world and he doesn't want anybody to do this, that, or the other thing. He doesn't want anybody sick and all this and that. A lot of that is based on truth, okay? We have these things called lie sandwiches, right? It's like an Oreo. you got two cookie wafers on the outside that is truth, but in the middle is a lie. They're just filled with enough lie through the presumption that lead us astray. Again, we don't get from God what we should get from God, and we end up with a counterfeit. We don't always know the difference. We presume upon God's goodness and his kindness, right? His goodness. Oh, oh God, is, God would never... You know, when you hear that, think, well, I don't know. Let's run it by, let's see, let's check the scriptures. God would never, you know, punish anybody. He never disciplined anybody because that's not love. That's another thing we presume on God's love, right? What we're really doing is we're presuming upon Satan's definition, I should say, redefinition of love. I don't believe Satan has the right to define anything. God is the author and definer of all things. So Satan redefines, as Dr. C.R. Oliver says all the time, the rabbis of a redefinition. So we presume on God's mercy and grace. We presume upon God's goodness and his kindness, right? What does the scripture say? It's his goodness and kindness that leads us to repentance. It doesn't lead us to come arrogantly, you know, sticking our chest out, pounding on the table, you know, hey, God, you owe me this. God really doesn't owe us anything. God's forgiveness, God's salvation. We presume upon God's salvation, right? What is that famous quote by Oprah? You know, well, there's many ways to heaven. Oh, no, there aren't. <laughs> there's one. And Jesus himself said, it's a narrow road, right? God's forgiveness and God's truth, right? And acceptance, God's acceptance. We talked about that tolerance. You will accept me, right? We come to God and we say, God, you, got, you must accept us as we are without God's condition of what? Repentance acknowledgement of our sin, humility, a broken and contrite heart God will not despise. That's what he desires, right? He desires obedience rather than sacrifice. Saul is an example of presumption, right? When he made the sacrifice when he shouldn't have. Oh, it'll be okay with God. No, it's not. We demand out of presumption that God would love us no matter what. And, and we like to test. That's part of that. Testing is also used in presumption. We test God, right? I'm going to do this, God. You said you love me no matter what. Well, I'm going to do this, that, and the other thing, and I'm going to hold you to that. What we're really saying is I don't care about your rules, God, because they don't matter to me. What matters to me is my own rules, and I'm going to make you prove to me that you're going to do what I say you can do. And when I say I in those sentences, that's the demon speaking, right? That's the spirit of presumption. That's the demon from the kingdom of darkness. That's that evil spirit that is speaking through us, and that's blasphemy. Those are blasphemous words to God. We want God to approve all our plans. 
we're presumptuous, right? We don't want any discipline. We don't want any chastening. We want this rubber stamp of approval of all our plans. We demand of him. We see what's going on with the, what'd you say, shakedown, lockdown, all that in this pandemic, right? The end justifies the means. Well, if it saves one person, let's all lock ourselves in our house. If it saves one child, let's round up all the guns, right? If it does this, let's do this, right? That's that Hegelian dialectic. That's the goal of that. That's the end game of that is, again, it's witchcraft. It's, it's manipulation, intimidation, domination. It's control. It's controlling us. That end does not justify the means because God is involved in the means. He's all about the means. He's all about the process. He's all about following his ways. He's about us learning line by line, precept by precept, obeying John 14, right? Who's the one that loves him? He who obeys his commands, right? And we demand of God, we tell him basically, like it or lump it, God. Take it or leave it. Who's that sound like? Kind of reminds me of Cain, doesn't it? Well, God, you got to accept my offering. Okay, good luck with that, right? It is the opposite. Presumption is the opposite. Again, it's a counterfeit faith. It's the opposite to thus saith the Lord. It's the opposite to that. What does the Bible say about it? Well, it warns us strongly, severely about this. And I'm going to give you some passages. We're not going to read them all. I'm going to give them to you. I have a list of scriptures here for you. 2 Peter 2.10, Numbers 15, 30 and 31, the curse, the judgment of God. I'm going to read this, these two verses. But the person who does anything presumptuously, whether he is native born or a stranger, God's commands through Moses, right, to the people of Israel, that one brings reproach on the Lord, and he shall be cut off from his, among his people. So doing anything presumptuously, you'll be cut off from among the people, because he has despised the word of the Lord, and has broken his commandment. That person shall be completely cut off. His guilt shall be upon him. Now, the question that we probably want to ask ourselves right now, just take a minute for a pause, who knows this to be true? Well, the enemy, Satan does. And he wants us to get under this side of the equation by doing something presumptuously so that we shall be cut off. That's the goal on the enemy. And that cutting off us when we're separated from God, it's just like taking a, a watermelon who's growing and cutting the, the vine it's growing, right? Cutting its little, you know, vine umbilical cord and setting it aside, it eventually will wither and, and dry up and die because it's nourishment, it's nutrients. Everything that it needs to fulfill the purpose of a healthy, growing, living watermelon will be removed. And that's what the enemy says. Aha! The enemy says, I found a way to get those people of God who drive me nuts. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have them act presumptuously. Deuteronomy 18, verse 20. False prophecy is another huge, huge area. We're not going to go into that tonight. But it's a huge area of presumption. Again, it's a counterfeit to thus saith the Lord. God does speak. He speaks to his prophets. He speaks to us in dreams. He speaks to us in visions. But they all line up and agree with the word of God and the spirit because it's all three one, right? God is not schizophrenic. God is not a man that he should lie. Deuteronomy 18.20, but the prophet who speaks a word presumptuously in my name, which I have not commanded him to speak, that prophet shall die. There you go. Can't get more cut off than death. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 9, and that's referring to when uh, the people tempted 
God. We're not to tempt Christ. We got no business acting presumptuously because our Lord is the one who will give us our commands and we will obey, serve out of love our Lord. Anyways, neither let us tempt them as some also did and were destroyed of serpents, right? We know the stories in uh, history when, when God brought the serpents to the people because they were acting presumptuously. Yeah, complaining, grumbling. Yeah, that's presumption as well. Deuteronomy 6, 16. Isaiah 45, verse 9, James 4, 13 to 16. Psalm 5, verse 5, Isaiah 13, 11, Romans 2, 4, and Romans 9, verse 20. So, Scripture says quite a bit. I have more verses there. So, what happens when we're presumptuous? Well, we just looked at that. We get cut off. We could be killed. So, let's look at some examples. I'm going to look at two examples. Numbers 14, we're going to look at. Numbers 20, okay? That's when uh, Moses struck the rock. Verse 11, then Moses lifted up his hand and struck the rock twice with his rod, and water came forth abundantly in the congregation and their be strength. Right? Was he supposed to strike the rock? No, he's supposed to speak to it. Presumption, right? And it cost him. You talk about getting cut off from the people. He got cut off from the people. He did not make it into the promised land, did he? First Samuel 13, well, really 1 through 15, it's the story of Saul. Covers the picture of Saul where he offers a sacrifice instead of waiting for Samuel. And of course, he loses his, his kingdom after that. He, he's presumptuous. He's presuming upon God. In fact, the word there when he says, you know, he needed to do that was he was compelled to do. He was kind of forcing to do it. It was as though he was defiantly saying to God, darn it, Take it or leave it. You want to sacrifice? I'm going to make a sacrifice. It's your fault that Samuel's not here. It's all you. I'm going to do this thing, and you're going to be okay with it, okay? And God says, excuse me? As I tell, tell my children when they're growing up, it's God's playground. It's his rules. When you become God and create your own creation and your own people, you're going to have your own rules. Until then, we submit to God's rules. And that's the only way for us to get everything that God has for us. That's what God wants. Luke 12, 19, the foolish man, right? Oh, I've got so much stuff. I'm going to tear down the barns and build another. Yeah, presumptuous. You don't know. Just like it says in James, right? You don't know. Don't be saying, oh, tomorrow we're going to go do this and that, and we're going to go to town and buy and sell. How about the night before the lockdown order? Is that what you were thinking? Is that what you're saying? And the next day you wake up, and the governor governor of your state, especially in some places, they got the police out enforcing that strictly. Yeah, we don't know. It's presumptuous, right? Let's look at two examples, one in the scripture and one in, from Pilgrim's Progress. Numbers chapter 14. The people have gathered. Moses sent the spies. We know the report of the spies, Joshua and Caleb's report and the rest. We see presumption rising up out of the midst of what? Grieving. They mourned all night, right? Presumption loves to come in at certain times. Loves trauma, loves grieving, loves to transfer. It'll, it'll sweep through a whole group of people. It can sweep through a body of believers in a, in a church, a family, whatever. Presumption is just, again, it's, it's, it's part of that pavement of the foundation of the world under the dominion of the enemy. It's everywhere. And so we see the effect now of what's going to happen to the people of God as they act presumptuously. Numbers 14, 39 and 40. And when Moses spoke these words to all the sons of Israel, the people mourned greatly. In the morning, however, they rose up early and went up to the ridge of the hill country, saying, here we are, we have indeed sinned, but we will go up to the place which the Lord has promised. So imagine you're there with the people, you heard this report, and the whole nation's mourning, that the demonic spirits are transferring across, they're like wildfire. Everybody's mourning, everybody's grieving, oh boo-hoo, God has left us. The enemy's having a heyday, and they're blaming God. It's all God's fault, because the people didn't come up with this plan to leave Egypt, right? God did. 
And here they are. Now they wake up with this renewed resolve. Remember that ambition? Remember this entitlement? Well, God, after all you put us through, we deserve that. I've heard that so many times from people. You know, I did this for you, God. I've done so much. I have sacrificed so much. I have given up so much that that you you just got to come through for me, God, right? And we do that with people, right? We do that manipulation of people at times. You see it in relationships all the time. So the people, here they are, they have this renewed vigor out of their night of grieving and mourning, that ambition fueled by presumption. And they began to reason and presume their way to disaster. Okay, here we are, God. Now we can do what we want. Okay, yo us. Yo us one now. Confession of sin is one thing. Repentance is another, right? Confession without repentance is hot air. It's meaningless words. It's gibberish. You know, forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. Whoopee-doo. Yeah. Okay, confession's over. Now I'm going to go back and do that sin again. Yep, I got time. All right, see you later. (laughs) That doesn't work with God. And we can presume all day long, but it's not going to change who God is. Because he doesn't answer to us. As a born-again believer, as a disciple of Jesus Christ, what is my role? And if we don't know what that is, not what some Pastor Billy Bob said or Prophet Joe Schmo or, or you read it in the book or watched on YouTube, but if, if you don't know that from thus saith the Lord, from God himself, through his word and his Holy Spirit, find out. And that will, I promise you, that will change your life. It changed my life. It changed my life dramatically. It was a sin for these people to seek to possess Canaan after God had already decreed their generation would not possess it. God hath already spoken. Thus saith the Lord. He said, look, this is my rule. By the way, this is not a popular message today. Have you figured that out already? Because God is God and he's the authority and he's the rule. I don't care what Oprah says. I don't care what Rob Bell teaches. I don't care what some Joe Schmo or prophet, whatever. Who cares? I listen to God and him alone because he is the one, right? God and God alone is fit to take the universe's throne from that old Steve Green song. Presumption tells us that we can act in disobedience, but God will still forgive us or turn a blind eye to our rebellious actions and be okay. Faith and obedience is submitting to the Lord's way. Presumption is not. Because my conditions of the promise were that you go into my land, my way, by my hand, and you didn't meet those conditions. It's really simple. If you meet the conditions to come into the country of United States of America legally and become a citizen, you then get the benefits. If you don't, there's another side of the equation. But what do we have today? We have people whining and crying and, you know, acting like little whamby-pamby babies and, and fussing, right, out of this presumptuous entitlement and ambition and demanding that the rules be bent, the rules be changed, right? That's a huge part. Do you begin to see that's a huge part of where our nation, why our nation is where it is today? And we're part of in the mess of this lockdown mess we're in today. It's spiritual. It's not political. Oh, there's another thing we don't want to talk about. We don't want to talk about personal responsibility and accountability, right? That's presumption. Do you see that? That's that presumption. Well, it's not my fault. No, yes, it is. The people were doomed to fail. The Lord was not with them. The Lord could not be with them. And that's the key phrase. He could not be with them. If he had gone with them, he would have been giving in to presumption. Okay? And they marched against an enemy stronger than them, and they were defeated. Numbers 14.41, Moses asked them, why are you transgressing the commandment of the Lord when it will not succeed? That's a good question. And we're going to see in Pilgrim's Progress, we probably experience in our own lives, when we're talking to someone under the influence and control of the spirit of presumption, facts don't matter. 
It's not the facts that matter here, okay? God said no. Moses said, look, it's not going to succeed. Stay home. Save yourself. Save your children. How many people were destroyed out of presumption? Presumption is a killer. Presumption is a destroyer. John 10, Jesus said, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy, right? But he, the good shepherd, John 10, 10, has come to give us life. The enemy is always, it's a calling card of the enemy right there. Destruction. Right? That's a good question for us today. Okay? We presume to worship and serve God in ways other than he is authorized. Alright? Again, we need to find out what the word says, what God tells us. Him speaking to us through his word. Right? We need to find out. 1 Corinthians 2 says, The thoughts of God no one knows except the Spirit of God. 1 Corinthians 2.13 Know the things freely given to us by God. So we need to know him and his word. In Pilgrim's Progress, there is a character named Presumption. Let's look at this briefly and see the effects there that uh, Bunyan describes. It says, I saw then in my dream that he went on thus, even until he came at a bottom where he saw a little out of the way, three men fast asleep. Okay, so there's a stream, there's Pilgrim's encountering these three characters with fetters. They're in chains upon their feet. The name of the one was Simple, the other one was Sloth, and the third, Presumption. Okay, so there's three characters that he meets. Simple, Sloth, and Presumption. Christian, and then seeing them lie in this case, went to them. If, perhaps, or peradventure, perhaps he might awaken them and cried. You are like them that sleep on the top of a mast, for the dead sea is under you, a gulf that hath no bottom. In other words, he's warning them. He says, awake therefore and come away. Be willing also, and I will help you off with your irons. Okay, it's kind of like Moses, right? In Numbers 14, 41, exhorting the people, hey, don't do this. The Lord's not going to go with you. It's not going to succeed. Christian here is telling these guys, hey, don't stay in this state. Let me help you. He also told them, if he that goeth about like a roaring lion comes by, you will certainly become a prey to his teeth. With that, they looked upon him and began to reply in this sort. Simple said, huh, I see no danger. Sloth said, no, yet a little more sleep. (sighs) And presumption said, every vat or tub must stand upon his own bottom. And so they lay down to sleep again, and Christian went on his way. But presumption says, every vat must stand upon his own bottom. Okay, it's a uh, kind of uh, colloquialism that basically says I can handle my own problems with no help from you. Okay, I'm relying on my own. I'm a self-made man. I'm going to be all that I can be, right? Presumption was quite comfortable before Christian came along with his unwanted advice. And he's quite ready to send Christian on his way so he can slip back deeper into his spiritual coma. And Proverbs 1.7 warns of these. It says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Acting upon presumption is to be foolish. He's in danger of religious delusion. Remember I talked about the Pharisees? Religious spirits, I I believe, are empowered through this and walk on this foundation of presumption. The Pharisees, right? That's why we call it this I know better spirit. You know, not an boo-boo. I know better than you, right? And we do that to God. We do it to others. I know what's best in this situation. It is a manipulation control witchcraft technique to force you to come to my resolution and agree with my terms. Uh, God warns about this. Then they will call on me, he says, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but they will not find me. Because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord, they would have none of my counsel and despised my every rebuke. Therefore, they shall eat the fruit of their own way and be filled to the full with their own fancies. For the turning away of the simple will slay them. 
and the complacency of fools will destroy them. The enemy knows this is true. And that's why he wants us to stay under the deception of presumption and operate as presumption did in Pilgrim's Progress. And what was the end game? What was the end result, I should say? In part two, when Christiana and her fellow pilgrims come upon this place, the three men are no longer asleep, but they are hanged up in their irons. Okay? They're dead. End of story. So what do we do? What's the solution to this problem of presumption? This demonic entity, this evil spirit, this this very, very powerful foundational lie that is driving so much of the world today. Well, it's humility is one thing. So one solution is humility. Another solution, Psalm 19 verses 12 and 13, I will read this, gives us the answer. So one is humility, two is found here. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse me from secret faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless, and I shall be innocent of great transgression. So we see here that presumption is a secret fault. It's a hidden thing. It has dominion over us, and it keeps us from being blameless. It causes great transgression. What's the solution to cleansing secret faults? We need God's Holy Spirit to reveal and expose them to us through messages like this, I believe, through his word. Just asking God, Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask that you will show me my secret faults. Show me where I have been walking on the road of presumption that are opposed to you, but because of these evil spirits that have been working in my life, confess, I ask forgiveness, and in Jesus' name, I command them to go, right? It's the same recipe. It's the same way we deal with any others. So there are secret faults. There's just things we don't see. They're hidden in the darkness. But during this message, they have been poked at. They have been prodded. They have been exposed as we have spoken the word of God, right? What's the real faith? God has defined it, and he told us faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word. We have read the word. We have heard the word. And we now act in faith according to this verse right here. And so we're going to pray in just a, um, a second or two here. It's that beautiful picture of Ruth and Boaz, the kinsman redeemer. God is the restorer, that reconcile. That word, I love that word reconcile and redeem. Salvation is about redemption, right? He reconciles. That word literally means the resetter of a broken bone. We need to have that proper view. We need to ask God to show us through the light of his scripture, through, the, through his Holy Spirit. And if we need help from somebody else, we reach out to them. Say, hey, I, I think this is something in my life. Would you pray with me about that? And we pray and we beat down the enemy. We cast them out in the name of Jesus. And then we move in freedom and truth. And we allow our, ourselves to be guided. We redefine everything in our lives now according to God's definition. Those things that have been defined by the enemy, redefined by the enemy, we now begin to define according to God and we walk in obedience to him. That's the road of discipleship. That's the journey, the process that we're on. Becoming transformed in the image of Christ, right? Paul gives us that beautiful picture of, of no longer conformed, being transformed. To take Colossians, it talks about to take this off, put off, and to put on, to be clothed with Christ, right? Through the deliverance and, and praying and the, and the power of God to change and restore and redeem and translate and transform us and renew us regenerate us. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation, right? Free from those, that dominion, according to Psalm 19. Let them not have dominion 
over me, right? The whole world lies in dominion of the evil one. First John 4, 8b says, for this purpose Christ was made manifest that he destroyed the works of the devil. He did. It's done. We need to ask the Holy Spirit to help us. And pride is at work. Pride's a spirit. There are many, many, many spirits of pride. Big pride, little pride, female pride, male pride, Leviathan pride. There's king of pride. There's queen of pride. There's all these other different forms of pride. But we can come against them all. So, Sheila, I'd like to do that now. I'd like to come against all of these things in the name of Jesus. And we appropriate by faith all that you have provided for us, God. We acknowledge that Second Peter 1.3 is true, that your divine power, Jesus, has given us everything we need for life and godliness. You've told us in Luke 10.19 that, that you've given us power over all the power of the enemy, and nothing by any means shall harm us. And that includes this, this bioweapon thing going around out there. And Father, in Jesus' name, you've given to us, Jesus, the keys of the kingdom of heaven. The key, we, 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 we have been brought into rescue from the kingdom of darkness, brought into the kingdom of light. We have a new zip code. We live in the palace of the king of kings and lord of lords. And, and that kingdom's keys belong to us. And, and we now are going to bind in those. That's what you've told us are the keys of the kingdom, is the children's bread. And I take dominion over you, Satan, and all you workers of iniquity, all you demons of presumption, spirits of presumption, workers of, for the spirit of presumption. In Jesus' name, I put you on notice now that we're coming after you tonight. In Jesus' name, I trust you've already been exposed and you're feeling uncomfortable if not well enjoy the ride you're gonna get it's gonna get more uncomfortable in jesus name i encourage everybody to agree with these prayers just take a deep breath blow them out and agree and tell these things to go whether i mention it or not and if there are any secret faults or any secret sins if god reminds you of that by his holy spirit then just go ahead and ask forgiveness first john 1 9 appropriate that by faith and say you know just confess ask forgiveness renounce it repent and 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 pray break whatever that is, if it's a curse or anything else, in Jesus' name. So, Father, we come against, I come against you, spirit of presumption. I'm calling you out now in the name of Jesus. I command you to get out of the people now. Manifest and go and leave the people of God now. You are a foreign traitor. You are an invader. You do not belong in the holy temple of God. God resides there. All the presumption, all the arrogance, the pride, the hubris. Let's go. All forms of spirits of pride, big pride, little pride, queen of pride, king of pride, leviathan pride pride, male pride, female pride, any forms of pride, false pride, spiritual pride, let's go. All the spirits, all the religious spirits, the spirits of the Pharisees, all the I know better spirits, let's go. All the I know better spirits, all the tolerance which is intolerant spirits, all the false teachings, the indoctrination of the lies of the enemy, all you lying devils, every lying devil behind presumption, behind tolerance, behind acceptance, behind forced agreement, behind all the false forcing and negotiations. God has to do this. The twisting of the arm, all the passive aggressive, all the manipulation, all the witchcraft. I break the power of witchcraft in the people of God now in Jesus' name. Get out all the intimidation, manipulation, the domination, the control, witchcraft, rejection, witchcraft, infirmity. Go. Witchcraft, dejection. Come on. All the witchcraft operators, the soul hunters, the workers of iniquity that have been sent to keep the people of God in bondage so that they cannot go to the land of Canaan, out of Egypt, in Jesus' name. Jesus, you said in Isaiah 61, you've come to set the captives free. And we're doing that tonight. And I and I lose freedom upon the people of God. Now, I lose the spirit of truth to begin to go and work. The law of truth, the love of truth, in Jesus' name. I come against all the spirits of disobedience, the rebellion, the opposition, the defiance, the take it or leave it spirits, the, the ones that kind of flip the bird off to God, and they put the 
the hand up and say, talk to the hand, and they have nothing to do with God and his ways. But you still claim, your lying devils still tell the people that they're okay, that God's got to be okay with it, because he loves everybody. I come against the redefinition of love, the redefinition of truth, the redefinitions of justice and mercy and grace and compassion, and everything that God offers has been redefined and counterfeited in the name of Jesus. Let's go. Every demon who has been counterfeiting, let's go in Jesus' name. Come on, get out of the people now. Angels, I lose the angels to go. I lose burning judgment, destruction upon every one of your heads in Jesus' name. Uh, the curse is to be cut off of you. Sever. Angels, go. Sever their resources, their ley lines. Sever the support structure in Jesus' name. I lose civil war upon the enemy camp now. Every demonic squadron, units that are working in the people of God. I lose confusion, division. I lose spiritual deafness, dumbness, blindness, and paralysis upon you in the camp. I send the angels out to destroy all of the planks, the foundations. Angels, bring those big those big scrapers that, that, that just scrape up the pavement and to pull up this foundation, this pavement of presumption that is in the people of God's lives in Jesus' name. And I loose the spirit of truth to come now. Holy Spirit, go and begin already. Begin to fill and to inhabit every area of the people of God's lives that have been controlled through the lying, the domination, the manipulation manipulation, the deception, all deceivers. I send the light of God. I loose the light of God upon the spotlight of heaven, the Holy Spirit to go and reveal those secret sins, the secret faults, any any generational inherited sins of the fathers. If God reminds the Holy Spirit reminds you of anything, just confess it and we break those curses. Galatians 3, it's all taken care of. Colossians 2.14, every written code against us has been blotted out of Calvary. It's done. It's gone. Satan may have a book with all that stuff, but God book, which is the one that counts, doesn't in Jesus' name. And I send angels to go out and begin to blot out and destroy and, and to erase and tear the pages out of the enemy's book right now in Jesus' name. I come against all the spirits of control. Spirits of control, let's go. You're done. You're done controlling the people. You're done leading to them to their demise. Every stealing demon, look at what the enemy is doing, people of God. The enemy is stealing the promised land from you, the land of Canaan. And instead, you're being devoured by the Amalekites and the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Philistines and every other, right? I send the warring angels of God to go and destroy the warring, guarding evil spirits of the enemy in Jesus' name. I come against all the rest of development spirits, so the simple spirit, the slothful spirit. Let's go. All the spirits of presumption. Come on. All the stubbornness and the hard-heartedness, the hatred to learning, the hatred of obedience, the inability to receive truth, the inability to obey in Jesus' name. All the defiance, all the spirit evil demons of defiance. I bind you and I command you to get out of the people in the name of Jesus. Now, go. Come on, let's go. Loose these people of God and let them go. All workers of presumption in Jesus' name. Angels, go. Begin to pull them out. Break their arms. Break their grips and their holds. In any curses that are enforced, we cover in the blood of Jesus. We declare them broken according to Galatians 3. And angels, go now. Cut those chains and demons, you gotta go. Get out. Go. Go where the angels are leading you now. In Jesus' name. I'm calling you out now. Hatred of learning. Let's go. All the religious spirits. Let's go. All the spirits of the Pharisees. The religious spirits. Come on. Let's go. Get out of the people. God needs it this way. God has it this way. Well, 
salvation works this way, and, and you got to do this, and you got to do that. And, you know, if you learn all the Hebrew names, and you learn how to speak Hebrew and do that, well, God is required to do this, that, that. No, that's a lie. Get out of the people now. That's witchcraft. In Jesus' name, I break the power of witchcraft out of the people of God. Now, the spirit of witchcraft that wants to hide and deflect, I call you out now. In Jesus' name, I break your power, and I pour the blood of Jesus upon you. Every human spirit operating, every worker of iniquity, every soul hunter, in Jesus' name, get out of the people now. All the thought forms, come on, all the tulpas, the egregores, the psychogons, let's go. In Jesus' name, I loose the angels to go and destroy you and to pull you out of the people of God. Get out of the people of God now in Jesus' name. We are not who we think we are. We are who God has described us to be. We are who God has written about for us to be. I break any claim of ownership now with the blood of Jesus, and I command you to get out now. Go. Bye. See ya. All the false assumptions, all the indoctrination, all the lies. I loose the spirit of truth now. I loose the love of truth upon the people of God in Jesus' name. I loose eyes that see. I loose ears that hear. I loose a heart to understand. I bind up and break all witchcraft brain control. Any workers of brain, all the octopus and the squid, demonic control of the brain. Get off the people now. I loose the natural predators, the, the great whites and the sperm whales. Angels go and devour and destroy. Get them out of the people now. Get off the mind. Steel cages that the enemy through witchcraft and other deceptive workers of iniquity put around the brains of the people of God. I break them now in the name of Jesus. I pour the blood of Jesus upon them. Angels go. Put the blood of Jesus on them. Break those off of the people now that they can see and they can hear and they can receive the truth. Every demon sitting in any of the sense gates, the eye gate, the ear gate, any other sense gates in Jesus name. Get out of the people of God. Let's go in Jesus name. Father, we love you. We praise you. We thank you, God. I lose the spirit of courage of Joshua and Caleb. I lose the spirit of faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please you, Lord God. I lose everything that's needed. Your angels, your ministering spirits, Hebrews 1, 7 and 14, to go now, right now, whenever these people hear this, the message, to receive the healing, the deliverance, the restoration, the renewal, the regeneration of the foundation and basis of their lives, that it no longer be driven by spirits of presumption, but it be driven by love. I lose the agape love of God, the compassion, the mercy, the grace, the forgiveness. Restore the lives. Restore that which has been broken. You are the kinsman redeemer, Lord Jesus. Restore, reconcile, reset broken bones. Restore and renew broken relationships. I sever all soul ties, bring fragment. Any human spirits operating, controlling from external. Angels go and sever that. Cut that silver cord. Destroy all ley lines. Remove all the resources and supplies and lifelines of any demonic entity working in the people of God in Jesus' name. Let's go. Come on. Get out of the people now. And I loose the angels to blind every peeper that has been viewing and watching to set the people of God up and to silence every mutterer. And I loose the angels with big, huge jackhammers to destroy the four horns of the enemy camp, according to Zechariah 1 now. And I loose the destroying angels to destroy the destroyers and to fight against and put oppression, that machine gun fire, all of these, this inundation of, of fear, of trepidation, of passivity, of, well, I, I guess we just need to just hang tight and wait for this thing to blow over. Well, there's nothing going to blow over. It's going to blow up. Put all the mischief and the violence back up 
upon the crowns of the demons' heads now. In Jesus' name, any rebellion demons, you're not leaving tonight with the angels, then the angels go and box you up, bind you up, and torment you until such time as you're removed as God allows and sees fit. Father, we praise you. We thank you for this time, and I thank you for the freedom that we are receiving now in Jesus' name. Seal this with the blood of Christ now, Lord. Continue to work and minister through your Holy Spirit, through your word, and through your angels in, in whatever way the people of God need. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Wow. Powerful deliverance. Excellent teaching, Mark. Thank you so much. Very quickly give out your information for the folks, please. Thank you, Sheila. Um, the best way to get in touch with me is just go to disciplejourney.com. That will redirect you to my WordPress blog, and there's a contact me form. So disciplejourney.com, fill out the little contact me, and I'll receive that information there. Thank you, Sheila. Well, folks, we are out of time. Go to SheilaZelinski.com and make sure you are subscribed to our newsletter. We are out of time. We'll see you real soon. Good night and God bless you.